like to request you to turn with me in your copies of God's Word to Ephesians. The letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And then we are going to consider the last two verses, verse 20 and 21. Ephesians chapter 3, I'll read the whole chapter. We will consider verse 20 and verse 21. If you're there with me, hear the authoritative word of God. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to pray and then we will consider verse 20 and 21 of Ephesians 3. Please bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Once again, we plead with you that you may allow that the ministration of your word would be profitable for our souls. We ask, O oh Lord, that we would be helped to 
bow before you in worship to give you all the glory as we consider the text before us deal with your people according to your steadfast love and teach us your statutes this morning because we are your people your heritage that you have redeemed by the blood of your son give us understanding that we may know your testimonies grant that we would love your commandments above gold above fine gold grant that we would consider all your precepts to be right and to hate every false way help us oh heavenly father that your word would be plain to us that it would be clear that we would hear it and that we would submit without question help me as i speak give me utterance keep me from uh wandering off help me to explain the text and apply the text to your people may the spirit of god use the word of god for the glory of god this morning hear this prayer lord and help us because we pray by the power of your holy spirit and in the name of your son the lord jesus christ amen we've been going through this uh book this letter of paul to the ephesians we began with the first chapter second chapter third chapter and now we come to the end of chapter 3 we are very soon um approaching that territory that we we call the imperatives uh in the word of god having been given the indicatives the 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 the, the doctrine the teaching we will very soon get to the practice bit of this letter now there's a sense in which in every you know in every every chapter there's there's teaching and there's practice there's teaching and there's how we are to live there's what we are to believe and how we are to live or how to, we are to behave in every in every chapter but this first portion of the book of ephesians chapters 1 through to 3 give us doctrine doctrine the doctrine of salvation doctrine of christ who is god the grace of god what is faith and all such things jews and gentiles brought in together by the saving work of christ we are given doctrine upon doctrine the supremacy of christ above all powers and rulers and dominions and everything and then in the next portion 4 through to 6 we will have um do this in light of what you have heard in light of what you've been told therefore this is how you ought to live and this is how you uh, you you are to conduct yourself now 
what we have in the passage before us, these last two verses of Ephesians 3, um, uh, is what we call a doxology. A doxology is, is, is like a word of praise. Let me, let, me, let me just read for you two doxologies in the Bible. You can find many. But when you go to Romans 16, verse 25 to 27, you, you, you hear these words. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a doxology right there. A word of praise to God. Jude. Verse 24 to 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. A doxology is a word of praise. And what we have here in Ephesians chapter 3 um, is a doxology, a word of praise to God because of what God has done. Now I'd like for you to see from those two verses five things. Five simple things. That God is to be glorified. Now I, I have titled my sermon, To God be the glory. To God be the glory. God is to be glorified, number one, because He is able. Number two, God is to be glorified in the church. Number three, God is to be glorified in Christ Jesus. Number, three, number four, God is to be glorified throughout all generations. And number five, God is to be glorified forever and ever. God is to be glorified because he is able. God is to be glorified in the church. God is to be glorified in Christ Jesus. God is to be glorified throughout all generations. And God is to be glorified forever and ever. Now, the Apostle, the Apostle Paul has seen the mercies of God, the kindnesses of God, the goodness of God, the love and grace of God in Christ. He has seen this. It's, it's bringing him now to a point where it's as though he lacks words. He's overwhelmed. And, and wh what, what alone he can do is praise the Lord. Now, it's as though he's saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's as though he's giving this word of praise that seems to be out of place in this letter. Mostly, doxologies are in the, in, in the last chapter of any book. But here in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is overwhelmed by the greatness of God, the mercies of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, His loving kindness, because of the great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. The mysteries of God have been revealed, not only to us, but to the rulers and the principalities, the angels, the heavenly beings. Apostle Paul is marveling at this. 
and that's why then he says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think god is able to do that which we cannot imagine because of that then let's let us praise him that's the point where this doxology is coming from the apostle paul is saying god has chosen that's the father god has died that's the son god is now dwelling in the hearts of his people that's the holy spirit god has taken sinners wretched humans like you and i to be his own to be his possession to dwell in us to walk through us god becomes our father we become his children the mysteries of god have been revealed and this then makes the apostle burst in awe and wonder and therefore he goes ahead to praise the lord praise the lord let the earth hear his voice praise the lord let the people rejoice and then he says the, the, the hymn writer says oh come to the father through jesus the son give him the glory because he has done great things to god be the glory that's the premise of this doxology god has done great things god has done unimaginable things that's why we praise him like for you to look with me at verse 20 and see that number one, we we give god all the glory to god be the glory because he is able look at verse 20 now to him who is able god is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us this glory praise adoration majesty honor and splendor goes to him it goes to the almighty god it goes to the sovereign god the sovereign king the only ruler who is able to do that which he pleases the king of kings and lord of lords the only god from whom and through whom and to whom are all things the only yahweh this glory goes to him this glory goes to him and he is the only one who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think he is the only one that is able to do that which we cannot imagine he is the only one who can do that which we ask he is the only one who can do far more than we ask he is the only one that that can do far more abundantly than we ask He's the only one who can do far more abundantly than we can ask. He's the only one who can do far more abundantly than we can think. To him be the glory. What God can do, see with me there, is unimaginable. We cannot even think of it, live alone asking of it. We glorify God because he is the great mover the uncaused one the one who causes all things yet is caused by nothing or no one we glorify god we give god all the glory all the praise all the honor all the splendor all the majesty because he is the one who is able it is at this point that the reformed christian agrees with the charismatic that god is able to do 
just what he says he will do he is going to fulfill every promise that he has given you know that song don't give up on god because he won't give up on you he is able it's at that point that the reformed christian and the charismatic walk together because the word of god tells us that god is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask the text there implies that we are to go to god we are to ask him because he is able to do it he is able to do that that which we ask and not only that not only that far more abundantly than all we ask exceedingly abundantly than all we ask because god is the great one the great i am god is able to do far more abundantly than what we think my friends how do you go to god in prayer you see because our finite minds our tiny little minds we tend to limit god whether we know it or not the text here is telling us god is unboundless god is not bounded god is limitless god is the one who is from everlasting to everlasting god is the one from whom and through whom and to whom are all things he is the one who is able john calvin says here whatever god can do he unquestionably will do if he has promised it god can do all things that which is impossible with men it is possible with god because god can change the hearts of men what else can he not do if god can 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 call out things into existence as though they were when they were not what can god not do you see what it means for god to be god is that he is omnipotent he has all power he can do everything and anything that he pleases and then this this also means that god is sovereign you know why because we are prone to hear this and hate god because we go to god with our needs and god supposedly seems not to be doing what we are asking him but but if he is able to do even that which we we have not imagined more than what we ask why is he not dealing with my problem the issue that i have and then we forget that god is sovereign god is not omnipotent for you god is omnipotent for himself god is not omnipotent to do your bidding god is omnipotent to do his bidding in his sovereignty we are not to hear this as though as though the text tells is telling us now god has relinquished all his sovereign prerogatives and he can do whatever you ask him no while god is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think 
we are to remember quickly that God is sovereign. That God does whatever he pleases. And then the text there is, is given to uh, remind us that God is able. We give God glory because he is able. Look at what God has done in your life so far. Who else could do that? Who else could bring you the far that God has? I submit to you that there is no one who could. God is the one that has given you life. God is the one that has brought you the far that he has. God is the one with the power to take your life. God is the one that has given you salvation in Christ. And if it pleased God to send you to eternal damnation, he would do it. Because he is God. Go with me to chapter 1 verse 19. Let's just read from verse chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, this is, another, this, is a, this is the first prayer that the Apostle Paul makes. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that, go, uh, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and, and, and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness. Look at, look at, look at the phrasing of those words there. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. God has immeasurable greatness. God has immeasurable power. And this power he uses to work in his people. God has great might. God is able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Look at verse 7 of chapter, chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is, is, is telling us of this mystery that has been revealed. And he says there in verse 7, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. God has power that we cannot imagine. You see, this verse ought to while displaying the greatness of God, it ought to show us the minuteness of the devil. The devil does not come anywhere near where God is. This, this ought to be for your comfort, dear saints. Whatever it is that you're bringing before God, do not tire to bring it to him. God is able to do far more abundantly above all that you think, above all that you ask. Oh, how we ought to repent for the times when we have doubted the greatness of God. And we have that power there given to us in that verse, verse, verse 7 of chapter 3 that is at work within us. 
it is it is this power that is at work within us he says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us it is this power this omnipotence this omnipotence of god this almightiness if you will because god is jehovah el shaddai the lord almighty Listen to William Hendrickson here. He says that this power, quote, called us out of darkness and brought us into the light, changed children of wrath into dearly beloved sons and daughters, brought about reconciliation between God and man and between Jew and Gentile. It is God's infinite might which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and which is now operative in our own parallel spiritual resurrection. End quote. What we have here is that God is all-powerful. God is the omnipotent one. The one with all might. The one who said, let there be light. This is one of those passages that should remove every form of doubting God's ability in the hearts of believers. There is nothing that God cannot do apart from those which we've been told he can't in his word. God is able. God is more than able. See, this passage gives us the creator-creature distinction. God is not like us. It's not as though God is willing to help, but, but unable or sometimes hindered. No, no. God is willing and more than just having a willingness of some sorts, God is able. He is able. He has the capacity. He has the ability. God is unfathomably able. His ability cannot be comprehended. I tell you. And that's what the, the Apostle Paul tells us there. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask, all that we ask, all that we think, God is able to do it. Is this the God that you serve? Is this how you think of God? Or, or how, do you, how do you think of God? When you kneel before him, what is it that you think you're doing? Are you, are, you, are you believing that Maze, I have this need. There's this issue. There's this thing that I'm bringing to God and He's more than able to do it. You see, when we rise up on our knees, we rise up differently because we believe in the omnipotent God. We believe in the ability of God. Now, if you do not go to God in prayer, what are you doing? Imagine that God has granted this access. He has granted access. Look at chapter 2. Chapter 2 tells us that through Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. If you're a Christian, you have access to God. You see that? Then go to chapter 3. Chapter 3. 
Verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him, in Christ. We are given access to God. If you're a Christian and you do not pray, what are you doing? I dare ask you, what is wrong with you? God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us and you do not pray? What is wrong with you? I'm sure the answer is sin. It is sin. But then, are you, are you seeing the point? If God is, is the great I am, I mean, God is able to tell Moses, lift up the, the staff and the sea will part into two. And it happens. And God is able to create the whole universe. I mean, think with me for a moment. The whole world, in the span of six days, by just speaking, without raw materials, why would we not go to him? Why would we not be confident that God is able to deal with the issue that I have? I submit to you, dear brethren, that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. His omnipotence which is at work within us. And because of that, we must glorify him. We are to glorify him. To God be the glory because of this. You realize that the Apostle Paul is not giving the omnipotence of God as the great end. It's the glory of God that we are going, that we are aiming at. That we may glorify God. When we see the omnipotence of God, we are to glorify Him. When we see His ability, His magnificence, His power, we are to glorify Him. We are to go to Him, kneel before Him, bow before Him, give Him all the, all the praise and all the glory. Because He deserves it. Because He has all the power. Number two. God is to be glorified. To God be the glory in the church. Again, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him, verse 21, to him be glory in the church. You see? The the great end of seeing the ability of God, the omnipotence of God, is that we may glorify Him. To Him be glory. And, and, and where first? In His church, in His redeemed people. God is to be glorified in His church, the body, the glorious bride. It is in the church that His power is manifested. Look with me at the context. Verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, of which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of the saints, this grace was given me to preach to, 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 preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan 
Look at this plan. The plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The manifold wisdom of God is revealed where? In the church. And it is in the church, the people of God, the household of God, that the glory of God is brightly seen. That it brightly shines there. God is to be glorified in his church. The Apostle Paul tells us in in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that the church is the household of God. The church of the living God. The church has been purchased by the blood of Christ. That's what Paul says to the Ephesian elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the church, all the sheep of Christ which he purchased with his own blood. God is to be glorified in the church. You see, you and I, if we are to be faithful Christians, must be part of the church. Of course, when we become Christians, we we join in the universal body of Christ. And the way the universal body of Christ is known to exist is through local expressions of it. And that is where God is glorified. Away with the parachurch movements who want to take the place of the church and there is no parachurch in the, in, in the Bible. God is to be glorified in his church. It is in the church that his manifold wisdom is displayed. And it is displayed and made known to the rulers and authorities, the angels, the heavenly beings. See this as the, the great wisdom of God. This mystery, what is God doing? The angels would ask. The answer is the church. God is saving a people for himself for all eternity through his son by the power of his Holy Spirit. God is to be glorified in the church. You are to live as a Christian in the church. You glorify God most as a Christian by being part of a local body of believers, by pursuing holiness and godliness in the church, by being well involved in the life of the church. By being in fellowship with fellow members who are part of the body of Christ. The bride of Christ. That is where God is to be glorified. God is to be glorified in the church. The body of Christ. The glorious bride. That which, that which Christ will come back for when he returns. When we hear the trumpet, he will come back for the church. I ask you this morning... What are you doing with the church of Christ? How are you living in the church of Christ? What are you doing with the people of God? How are you living with them? Are you glorifying God in the church? You see, we are to glorify God because of his omnipotence, his ability. But then, are we glorifying God through the particular instrument that he has displayed his power, the church. The Apostle Paul is, as it was saying, who would have thought that the 
plan of God is the church. Who? No one. All this was in the mind of God. God has revealed it to us. What are you doing with the church? The church is the great instrument for glorifying God. And we want to glorify God as TRBC. We want to be found in the will of God. We want to be found in the word of God. We want to be found living the way God wants us to live. We want to be a God-glorifying people. Christ-exalting people. Spirit-filled people. A loving community. People who glorify God with the way we look at the word of God. The way we live in light of God's word. Because we glorify God or we are to glorify God in the church. Number three, it says, To Him be the glory, verse 21, in the church and in Christ Jesus. To Him be the glory in Christ. God is to be glorified in His Son, in Christ Jesus, the exalted head of the church. Now, Indulge with me. Go to chapter 1. Paul is the apostle of Christ Jesus. Verse 1. The saints are saints faithful in Christ Jesus. God is to be blessed, the Father of our Lord Jesus, in Christ. Because he has blessed us in Christ. In the heavenly places. God chose us, verse 4, in Christ before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, God has predestined us for adoption uh, 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 to himself as sons through Christ. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in Christ, in the beloved. Verse 7, in Christ we have redemption. We have forgiveness in Christ. Verse 11, in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 12, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ. Verse 13, in Christ, when we had the gospel, we believed in Christ. Verse 15, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I could go on and on and on. Chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Look at verse, 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 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. I could go on and on and on and on. And then he goes ahead to say how Gentiles were alienated, they were far, they were strangers. And he says in chapter 2, verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ, 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 God is glorified in Christ. We are to be a church about Christ. The, all of the scriptures point to Christ. All the, the law and the prophets, every, every part of God's word points to Christ. Everything culminates at the Lord Jesus Christ when he will come back. I ask you a question there. Are you about Christ? Is your life about Jesus? 
how Jesus lived, how Jesus walked, how Jesus would have you live. How is your life showing that you are in Christ? And you're bringing glory to God in Christ. Because the Apostle Paul tells us there in chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ um, ought to be on the lips of every Christian. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. Suits our sorrows, heals our wounds, drives away our fears. Jesus is our shepherd, husband, friend, our prophet, priest and king. He is our never-failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. We glorify God in Christ. In Christ. You are to be in Christ. If you're not in Christ, be found in Christ. God will ultimately be glorified in Christ. And I'm saying that because... I'm saying that because... The text goes ahead to tell us, number four, that it is throughout all generations. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. God is to be glorified in the church. God is to be glorified in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. To him be glory throughout every generation. God is to be glorified for the duration of time that everyone will live. It is throughout every, every generation, all generations. Because from him and through him and to him are all things. The Apostle Paul says there in Romans um, 11.36 that to him be glory forever. Amen. Let me, let me repeat, repeat that again. Because from him and through him and to him are all things. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 11.36 that to him be glory forever amen god is to be glorified in the time period between uh, uh, the birth of parents and that of their children he is to be glorified by each and every generation moses tells us in psalm 90 verse, verse 2 before the mountains were created were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses tells us that before everything was created, God from everlasting to everlasting has been God. And thus, the everlasting God deserves the praise, deserves the glory everlastingly throughout all generations. In, in, in you, in your in your parents' lives, in your grandparents' lives, great, 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 great grandparents, in your children's lives, throughout all the generations that will ever exist. Because from everlasting to everlasting, He has always, will always be gone, be God. I'd like for you to think for a moment. Whether this is how you consider glorifying God. 
do you consider glorifying God because of his ability? Seeing his greatness. Do you consider glorifying God because of what he has done in his church? What he has done in Christ? Do you consider that God is to be glorified throughout all generations? Number five, God is to be glorified forever and ever. This cannot be overemphasized. The Apostle Paul goes on and on. He says, God is able to glorify him. Glorify him in the church. Glorify him in Christ. Glorify him throughout all generations. Glorify him forever and ever. Forever and ever. Unending praise. Unending glory. Lift his name up forever and ever. You remember those doxologies that I read for you? Let me just read for you that again. Romans chapter 16. Verse 25 to 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. But has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. According to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Jude. 24, 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, the, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. The Apostle Paul says, God is to be glorified there forever and ever. Forever and ever. Your life, my dear friends, ought to be for the glory of God. Whether you eat or you drink, you are to do everything for the glory of God. Everything to the glory of God. God is to be glorified when you rise up and when you sit, when you walk, when you talk. Whatever you do, everything, forever and ever, everlastingly, everything in your life ought to glorify this great God who is able to do far more abundantly above all that we could ask or think. This God who has uh, redeemed a people for himself in the church. This God who sent his well-beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and take the place of sinners. This God... This God who is to be glorified throughout all generations, the Apostle Paul says, it does not end there. It goes forever and ever for all eternity. Consider with me the hymn that John Newton wrote, that great hymn, Amazing Grace. He says, when we've been there a thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God praise than when we first begun god is going to be praised forever and ever you and i ought to be glorifying god now we, we ought to be glorifying god now if you're going to glorify him forever and ever because you know what 
we will either glorify God forever and ever in His presence, bowing before Him, praising Him more than a thousand years, a million years, or, or we will glorify Him by being sent into the eternal fires. And even that will be for His glory. Because God is going to be glorified by everything and everyone throughout all ages, for all eternity, forever and ever. And what is wisdom, my friends? Wisdom is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because only then would we be able to glorify God being on the right side. Let me make a few applications and then finish. Just two. <clears throat> you well know the catechism question, what is the chief end of man? The answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now I ask you, there's the first application. Is your life's business to esteem God? having high thoughts of him and thus glorify him like this? When you inwardly have strong affections toward God, when you're constantly thinking what, what he would have you do and how he would have you live, then you're glorifying God. You're living for God. <coughs> When you would constantly be meditating upon the being of God, however feeble your thoughts may be, then you're glorifying God. Constantly meditating upon Him, upon His being, upon His word, upon His works. Then, then, you're glorifying God. When you're outwardly acknowledging what God has revealed to be true and are living in light of that, if you're married, living in light of what God has revealed to be true for marriage. If you're single, living in light of what God has revealed to be true in his word for single people. If you're a parent, living in light of what God has revealed to be true for parents. If you're doing that, then you're glorifying God. The opposite is true. If you're not, you're not glorifying God. If you're not doing your duties as you see them in God's word, you're not glorifying God. If you're not having high thoughts of God, constantly meditating upon His being, His word, His works, you're not glorifying God. You're not living the way God wants you to live. I ask you again, is your life's business to esteem God having high thoughts of Him? Application number two. Do you have confidence in God when you go to Him in prayer? Do you have confidence in God when you go to Him in prayer? He's the only one who is able to do far more abundantly above all that we ask or think. And hence, all our confidence ought to be in God alone. Where is your confidence? <coughs> you are glorifying God when you are completely confident when you go to Him that He is able to do far more abundantly than you ask or think. than you can imagine. How are you going to God in prayer? Be encouraged this afternoon.
go to God in prayer with confidence. But He is able. He is able. He is willing. But more than having a willingness, God has the ability. Go to Him with confidence. Go to Him with trust. Go to Him without doubt, without fear. For our God is able and He ought, He must be glorified. To Him be the glory. The Apostle Paul finishes with that very hearty Amen. Let it be so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we <clears throat> marvel at the riches of your word, the depths of, of, of it. Father, we plead with you for mercy. That you may forgive us for not glorifying you as we ought. Because man's chief end is to glorify you forever and ever throughout all generations in Christ Jesus, in the church. Lord, when we've doubted your powers, your ability, we ask that you may forgive us. The Apostle Paul prays, makes this prayer and finishes with this recognition that you're able, you are able and we pray that this would be the disposition of our hearts. <clears throat> we pray that this would encourage us. That it would comfort us. That it would help us to bow before you with a new resolution to trust in your sovereignty and your omnipotence and to glorify you forever and ever. Bless us with these things, Lord. Hear us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.